Father, we bless you tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you for the new moment. Thank you for this convergence to learn at your feet. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for Gospel Girls Radio and the impact she is making on lives out there. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the Reader's Club. Thank you, Lord. And the content that you bring to us on a weekly basis. Thank you, Lord. Line upon line, mm-hmm. precept upon precept, you mm-hmm. keep bringing your counsel to us to equip us on this pilgrimage. Thank you, Lord. We return the glory to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Father, as your word comes tonight, as your counsel comes tonight, let it be a meal to edify our spiritual life in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let it be a meal for our nourishment in the name of Jesus. Amen. For everyone who will make contributions, we'll pray that you will speak through us to the edification of your church. Amen. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so very much, bro. God bless you. Good. Okay, good, good, good. Let's all unmute now and read our permanent memory verse for this study. If you're at gospelbestradio.com, just scroll to page two, page two of that PDF, our program notes for tonight. Our permanent memory verse. Are we ready? Okay, let's read together. Hebrews 11, 13. These all died died in faith. Not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, we are assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Amen. I do pray that our resolve to be pilgrims, the grace of God, will help us to keep in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So last week, when we gathered, when we reconvened, really, when we reconvened for these uh, for these readings, we started by reading the introduction to the second part of Pilgrim's Progress by John Boyan. And in that introduction, we read of how John Boyan narrated how initially was prevented from writing the second part, but he eventually got around uh, to writing it. And we exhorted one another uh, that the things that the Holy Spirit puts in our mind, we should put our hearts to them and ensure that we get around to doing them. And then, of course, we read of how John Boyan had another dream. In that dream, he met a man called Mr. Sagacity. Mr. Sagacity obviously knew so much about Christian and then told uh, John Boyan, as he related it, that uh, many people in the city of destruction also got to know about the adventures of Christian, that many of them were fascinated by his adventures, many of them were encouraged by it, although some, in fact many, would uh, want all the glories that are now the portion of Christian, but would not want to undertake that hazardous journey. And then John Boyan, in his dream, asked Mr. Sagacity about Christiana. Remember Christiana, the wife of Christian? Uh, those who were with us in the first part, uh, when Christian was convicted by the Holy Spirit of his sins and wanted to start on the pilgrim way, he told his wife about his about his troubles, his burdens, his desire to, to begin the pilgrim journey, but his wife was not interested. In fact, derided him, and Christian had to set out on his own. But now his wife, struck by guilt, decided on her own 
to start uh, the pilgrim journey. And we read of how she told her children that, look, we need to go where your father has gone. And now, and again, as she prayed about this thing, she had a dream. In that dream, she saw Christian already in heaven. And the next day when she woke up, the Lord sent to her somebody in the form of an evangelist, somebody called Mr. Mr. Secret. Mr. Secret appeared to her and told her about the pilgrim journey, told her what to do, gave her a book, which we believe is the Bible, and then pointed her to the wicked gate. Wherever you see the wicked gate, it would be old English expression for the narrow gate. It pointed her to the narrow gate, and then she set out to go on the narrow gate. But as she was preparing to go, as she was visited by Mrs. Timorous, as we know from Pilgrim's Project Part 1, Timorous uh, is another word for nervousness. So this, this could be Mrs. Nervousness. Mrs. Novostens came, met with her and said, look, where are you planning to go? And Christiana said, well, I'm planning to begin this pilgrimage. And of course, Mrs. Timorous attempted to dissuade, to discourage Christiana from going on that journey. But Christiana was resolved to begin the pilgrimage and she stood firm, wanting to go on that pilgrimage. Uh, it was not only Mrs. Timorous who visited her, it was Mrs. Timorous and a lady called Mercy who visited her. And uh, we read of how after the un unsuccessful persuasion by Mrs. Timorous, uh, Christiana expressed her resolve and told Mrs. Timorous to leave, to leave because uh, she was there to alarm her. She said, well, therefore, since you didn't come to my house in God's name, I ask you to leave and not to alarm me any further. But as I said earlier on, it was not only Mrs. Timorous who visited Christiana, it was Mrs. Timorous in the company of a lady called Mercy. Now, I want to see how, how Mercy reacted to this. I remember uh, that Mrs. Timorous had failed in persuading Christiana not to go. Christiana had told Mrs. Timorous to leave. When Christiana told Mrs. Timorous to leave, we should take it that she was referring to both Mrs. Timorous and the lady called Mercy to leave. But Mercy made up her own mind, and we're going to begin from there tonight. So we're on page four. If you're at Gospel Bears, we're on page four now. Our reader still is Sister Yemise, so I believe you're available, sis. Uh, we're going to begin from page four, from Mercy Makes Up Her Own Mind. Let us put in mind that Mercy and Mrs. Timorous went as a team to see Christiana. But now, let's read how Mercy responded to Christiana's resolve not to be alarmed by Mrs. Timorous. Are we already on page four? Uh, that from the sub-ed, Mercy makes up her own mind. Okay. Says. Good evening, everybody. Good, Good evening. evening. Thank you. Mercy makes up her own mind. Then Mrs. Timorous loathed Christiana and said to her fellow neighbor, Come, Mercy, let us leave her to her own undoing. Since she scorns our advice and company, she spun on her heels and took a step towards the door. But Mercy stood firm, for she could not so readily conform to her neighbor's wishes for two reasons. First, a sense of pity and kindness ached for Christiana. So she said to herself, if my neighbor Christiana feels she needs to go, I will go a little way with her and help her. Second, that same sense of pity and kindness hungered within her own soul for what Christiana had said had taken hold upon her own mind. Therefore, she thought, I will talk more with this Christiana, and if I find truth and life in what she says to say, I shall go, I shall also go along with them wholeheartedly. 
sorry. It was after thinking these things through that she answered her neighbor, Mrs. Timorous. Neighbor, Mercy said, I did indeed come with you to see Christiana this morning. And since she is, as you see, making her last preparations to depart this country, I think I will walk a little with her this sunshiny morning to help her own away. But Mercy chose not to mention her second reason and just kept it to herself. Well, Mrs. Timorous faced Mercy with her chin held high and her nostrils flaring. I see clearly that you have a mind to go a fool in two. She shook her finger towards her neighbor. But be wise and listen to me. While we are out of danger, we are out. But when we are in, we are in. With that, Mrs. Timorous turned her back to them and walked out the door and returned to her house. So Christina busied herself in preparation for her journey. Mrs. Timorous and her friends. When Mrs. Timorous arrived home, she quickly sent for some of her neighbors, including Mrs. Bat's Eyes, Mrs. Inconsiderate, Mrs. Light Mind, and Mrs. Know Nothing. When they had all gathered at her house, she started to tell them the story of Christiana and her intended journey. She said, neighbors, having little to do this morning, I went to visit Christiana. When I came to the door, I knocked as, it, as is our custom. She answered, if you come in God's name, come in. It seemed a bit odd, but I went in thinking all was well. However, when I walked in, I found her, her preparing to leave town along with the children. So I asked her what she was doing. And she told me, in short, that she had decided to go on pilgrimage, just like her husband had done. She also told me of a dream she had and how the king of the country, where her husband was, had sent an inviting letter to come there. Mrs. No Nothing asked, do you think she will go? Mrs. Timorous let out a deep sigh and nodded. Yes, she will go, whatever comes. That's all there is to think, to eat. I think I knew it most of all when I tried to persuade her to stay at home by reminding her of all the troubles she is likely to meet with on the way. Instead of discouraging her, my great argument only encouraged her to move forward on her journey. For she told me in so many words that the bitter goes before the sweet, and because it does, it makes the sweet sweeter. Mrs. Bat eyes pursed her lips. That's blind, foolish woman. You mean to say she talks, she takes no warning from her husband's afflictions? For my part, I'll say that if he were here again, he will be content to relax here unharmed and never to endure so many hazards from nothing. Mrs. Inconsiderate also replied with a dismissive wave of her hand. Away with such fantastical fools from the town and good radiance. However, as far as I, I am concerned, I think she, she will stay here where she lives. But who could bear to live by her? For she will either be dull or neighborly or talk about matters nobody can put up with. Therefore, as far as I am concerned, I will never be sorry to see her leave. Let her go and let someone better come in her place. Let's face it. It's never been good since this whimsical fools lived among us. Then, Mrs. Lightmind joined in the conversation. Come, 
Come, let us put this kind of talk behind us. Yesterday, I spent the day at Madame Wanton, where we were as many as the maids. And who do you think shall be there along with me but Mrs. Love the Flesh? And three of three or four more with Mrs. Lechery, Mrs. Filth, and some others. So we enjoyed music and dancing and whatever else we could think of to give us pleasure. And I dare say, my lady herself is an admirable, well-bred gentlewoman. And Mrs. Mr. Lechery is a handsome fellow. Okay, thank you very, thank you very much. Uh, so this, this ends chapter three. And if you recall, last Sunday, uh, we, we attempted to discuss questions relating to the first part of, of this chapter. Now, in what we have read now, starting from, uh, from mercy making up our own mind, we have read of mercy not uh, disassociating herself from Mrs. Timorous, although they went together to Christiana, but she disassociated herself. She, she had two reasons for doing so, and I hope that we have identified those two reasons. These are the questions I wanted to, to discuss, but you're always free uh, to bring up points that cross your mind as well. If you're at com, just tap the WhatsApp widget and, and send a text or record a voice note and, and share with us if you want to answer any question or want to make any observation, please feel free to do so. On us to begin, let's begin by reflecting on Mercy's disposition. What are the lessons to learn from her? Are there applicable lessons for our own evangelistic efforts, especially in large gatherings? Bear in mind that Mercy dissociated herself from Mrs. Timorous, and when uh, Christina said to them, look, you have not come in God's name, please leave and do not alarm me any further. Mrs. Timorous was ready to leave, uh, but Mercy said, oh, oh come, wait a bit, uh, I think I'll stay with her. I think I'll go with her. Uh, let, let's reflect on that. And I'm thinking in particular about uh, when a Christian is ministering to a group of people. What lesson can we draw from this? If you are ministering to a group or you are witnessing, rather witnessing to not just one person at a time, maybe you are witnessing to a group. You come across a group of friends, maybe on a college campus or on the street or even in the church, and you are talking to them. What, what lesson can we draw from this? Seeing that uh, Mercy decided to dissociate uh, from, uh, from, from Mrs. Timorous, although they went together as a theme. Feel free, to, uh, feel free to unmute your microphone and join the conversation. What lesson do you think is there to learn uh, in this, in this when, we are when we are witnessing, especially to, to a group and not just to one person? Because I suppose that it's, it, it's telling, it's telling really that when Christiana said to, uh, said to Mrs. Timorous, you can see that on page, uh, I think it's on, yeah, on page four, look at page four, when Christiana said to Mrs. Timorous, uh, therefore, since you didn't come to my house in God's name, please leave, do not allow me any further. But then, and Mrs. Timorous, you know, expectedly turned to Mercy and said, well, this woman uh, would not listen to us. Mercy, we came in together, let's go back together and leave her alone. But, you know, uh, Mercy thought about it even more deeply and said to herself, can we identify those two reasons uh, that made Mercy stay back, the two reasons that made her stay back? Can anyone attempt that? It's on page four. The two reasons that made Mercy stay back instead of going away uh, from Christina's house with, with uh, Mrs. Timor. Instead of going away with Mrs. Timor, she stayed back 
Uh, there are two reasons that she gave on page four. Anyone who has seen that? Yes, that from me, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. A sense of pity. A sense for, of pity, yes. For Christiana. Mm -hmm. And the second one. And also, um, she also hungered. There was this hunger within her. Mm -hmm. Despite the pity for Christiana, her soul also ached for and thirst for what that conviction that Christiana had. Exactly. That is propelling her to want to embark on that journey, despite knowing all that her husband and had gone through. Exactly. And 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 um, Mrs. Timorous trying to discourage her from was like um, she was adamant. She was convinced mm -hmm. that there's a light ahead. Exactly. And she was ready to embark on on the journey. So because of that because of that conviction, more so that they all were in the same uh, belief, they had the same belief. Yeah. Before, when, when, when um, Christian mm. had that body within him, they all had that same, same belief that it was, maybe it was, it was um, hallucinating or it was just um, embarking on a foolish journey. Yes, at that or time. wanted to embark on a foolish journey at that time. Okay. So if all of a sudden the same person that was against her husband is now convinced and was ready to embark on that same journey, now with all the story that they've now been fed with, as in the, the town, the village, as they fed with all the story of what Christians have gone through. through. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Christiana was ready to go ahead in this journey too, so that made um, Mercy want to find to out make more. Up her mind that exactly. Good, good, good. Thank you very much. And I suppose that you, you identified those two reasons that she gave. The first reason she gave was that, well, oh, there's a sense of pity. This woman is going to go on this arduous journey on her own. She wanted to just be with her. Let me just help her out, out of pity. And then the second one was she looked at it. Look, I want to learn more about this about this Christian way. So those are the two reasons she gave for wanting to go with her. Sister Yemi, you want to say something? Yes, I wanted to say that um, for Mrs. Um, what I can um, learn from mercy is that mm. Christianity is a choice, an inner conviction. Mm -hmm. Nobody can, yes, people can minister to you, but it has to come from within. Absolutely. And, you know, where they said, therefore, she thought, you know, this was all in her head. Mm -hmm. She didn't want to tell Mrs. Timorous, neither did she exactly. tell, it, tell it to Christiana. Exactly. But, you know, she thought about it and she decided that, okay, I'm going to work with this woman. I mm -hmm. think I can find truth. That if I find truth and life in mm -hmm. what she says, mm -hmm. I shall also go and work with them. So I think, you know, it's telling us that Christianity, like Rebels Igbala, is from inside. Mm -hmm. It has to be from inside of um, you. It's a decision that you have, only you can take by yourself. Exactly. It's a decision. It's a, yeah, exactly. It's an individual decision. Thank you very much for that. And, and you are moving very close to the point I think we should make here. Exactly. It's an individual uh, decision. Doc. Thank you very much. 
to everyone for those comments. Mm. I just wanted to add to that uh, comment that Sister Yemishi made. Mm. It is an individual decision, and then it leads to an individual journey. Exactly. So we see that mercy here did not start a journey on the premise of faith. He started our journey on the premise of pity, compassion, and yeah. a search for knowledge. And for us in our evangelistic, you know, work, mm. we should not be too eager to interpret the beginning of another person's journey. journey. It Good. just be sufficient that the person is willing to take the journey in whatever way they can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I who will come into the journey with very clearly defined motives and understanding from yeah. the one. Yeah. And there are those who will be eased into the journey gradually. Mm-hmm. And when we understand it that way, we will rejoice. Absolutely. At the engagement of people with the journey any way they can. The second point I want to make is that the testimony of the saint is a powerful tool of evangelism. Mm-hmm. The testimony of the saint. Whether the saints who have gone on before and have claimed celestial glory, or those of us here on earth, who have recently come under great conviction, mm. the testimony of our journey, whether we are just beginning or those who have ended, is a powerful tool. It is. We must never forget to, leave, uh, to, to tell people how we came to receive our own invitation mm-hmm. from the gate of the, of, of the city and how much it held our hearts and drove us to the point where we were willing to take the journey. Yeah. The last point I want to make is a personal one. When I became a Christian, I yeah. was 12 years old. And because of the body that I belonged to, the kind of a Christian group, there was this very serious uh, power in, in my Christian work and all of that. Now, my mother was a nominal Christian. Mm-hmm. She was a but she wasn't born again. Mm. And, you know, she saw the foolishness of my decision. She saw how <laughs> this newfound faith was going to destroy me. Mm. So she was sorry for me. She was sorry. In fact, at the point she felt my dad was going to drive me out of the house because mm. my dad is a Muslim. Mm. And she didn't tell me this story until years later. Mm. She said that I should have observed that she never gave up her shop. We were living in uh, Bashita Kwara State at the time and we moved to Ilori. Yeah. But she kept her shop in Bashita in a, this small town called Bashita. And we were living in Ilori. So she told me that she kept that shop. So that I will have somewhere to live when my, my <laughs> foolishness got to a point that my father would have, drive you I laughed. Why would you think I would get to that point where my father would drive me? But you could not tell. I seemed to have become crazy. In that time, they used to call it where we were messing. Mm, you know, mm, you know, she just had so much pity. And you know, as my mother continued in in that pity, I she continued to wish that I would just see the light one day. And I will moderate this my journey of faith. I'll be more sensible. Mm. Yet there was nothing she could do for me. She kept on in compassion. And seven years later, I personally led my mom to Christ. Hallelujah. It was it. It started from compassion and pity. Mm. But she came to find the Lord herself. Exactly. And today I can say that my mom is a vibrant believer. Thank who God. knows the Lord for herself. 
I know an administration's book of life is a train of joy. To Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And these are the points I just wanted to Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you so very much. Excellent points. Excellent points. Uh, and I love all, all the contributions we have had. Uh, our sister Fumbi identified the two reasons that Mercy Mercy gave, uh, that, or rather, she did not give those reasons, the two reasons that that moved her to dissociate from Mrs. Timorous. Uh, sister Yemisi making that point very correctly that uh, the decision to come to Christ is an individual one. And uh, we got thank you very much for making those points as well that uh, in our evangelistic effort we want to uh, not be gung-ho don't just pay so much attention we want this person to be coming for the right reasons or some reasons that are so altruistic but let people just come as they are whatever is leading them to christ just bring them in and then gradually people will get to where the holy spirit wants to lead them and i love that personal uh that personal testimony that you have shared which is something that uh, we can we, we all can can uh, can learn from and actually illustrate the points uh, made here i also add to this that in our evangelistic effort when we are ministering to a group uh, we want to make sure that we are talking to individuals not a group and that may seem uh may seem like uh counterintuitive, but you see, when we are ministering to a group, even when a, a preacher is preaching to a congregation, he should see himself preaching to individuals still, individuals still. You are ministering to a group of friends, talk to them as if you are talking to each one of them. Even if one of them says, oh, look, I'm not interested, try to persuade the others, uh, make sure you connect with the others, uh, because ultimately you find that when the word, of, the word of God is spoken. He can have somebody who is so strong in the group who wants to dominate the other, the other members of the group, who wants to say, look, let's all just go and not listen to this person. But if if the evangelist, the preacher persists, it may just be that I just one out of the group who will be moved, you know, to, uh, to listen and to embark on that pilgrimage. Thank you very much. So immediately after Mrs. Tim Ross left, you know, Mercy stayed back. Mrs. Tim Ross... She left immediately and then called her friends. What do you think motivated her to immediately contact her friends after leaving Christina's house? I mean, Christina said to her, please leave. You are trying to allow me to, to dissuade me from going on this pilgrimage. Please leave my house. And she left. She got to her own house. She immediately contacted her friends and called them together to talk about it. What do you think motivated her to do something like that? Let's also pay attention to the names of Mrs. Timorous's friends. Let's look at those names. On page five, if you are page five, look at the names of our friends. Mrs. Bart's eyes. What would that mean, Mrs. Bart's eyes? Mrs. Inconsiderate. Mrs. Light Mind. Mrs. Know Nothing. These were the friends of Mrs. Timorous, and then she called all of them together. Immediately she got home, called all of them together, and started telling them about what Christina was about to do. And remember again from last week, what we read last week, uh, Mr. Sagacity's description of the city of destruction. Who can remember how Mr. Sagacity described the city of destruction last week? Anyone? How Mr. Sagacity described the city of destruction? Said, oh, that city. Anyone? Said a populous city filled with ill people ill people and lazy people, ill-conditioned people and lazy people, call it ill-conditioned people and lazy people. And I think there's a sense, if we follow the conversation here, the conversation uh, of Mrs. Timorous and her friends, we find truly that it's the conversation of lazy people, lazy people who are lazy in the spirit about spiritual matters. If you pay attention to the story uh, that that lady told Mrs. Lightmind, 
we were talking about important something very important. Yeah, Christina is about to leave our city and go on a pilgrimage. She said, Look, can we just forget talk like that? Let me tell you about what happened at a at a party yesterday. We had a party and then you know she she took their mind away from uh, from an important matter. And and that, that that's something to remind us of uh something we'll always find in the city of destruction. The question for us is whether even we whether we behave like that as well, whether we let you know, the vanities of this life take our minds away, away from more important, important consideration. I would say that uh, people congregate among those who think alike. Uh, Mrs. Timorous really, I believe, must have been touched by Christina's resolve, but she was not persuaded. She, was, she must have been touched. She must have seen some sense in it. But because she wanted to convince herself that uh, she was the right person, you know how people, even when they know they are wrong, they just find they find comfort in numbers. That is the reason why I think she got home and immediately called her friends and said, "Look, can you imagine? She just wanted people to reinforce her uh, own decision. Of of course, she must know that decision is not right, but she wanted it to be reinforced. And you find that uh, that's the same thing with." People who do not want to leave their sins, they want to congregate in large numbers because there's some comfort in that. You look around and see that, oh, I'm not the only one. Oh, don't mind the people who are telling me that uh, that I should I should come to the others. I don't don't mind the Holy Spirit. And even you find that sinners want to uh, to quieten the voice of the Holy Spirit, so they congregate with other sinners. And we should be careful uh, not to do that. Uh, we should be careful not to do that. When the Holy Spirit is speaking, all oh, that we will hear and and listen and do what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. Thank you very much. If you have any other contribution on Chapter 3, please do let us have it on WhatsApp, if you are at gospelbestudio.com, or in the chat room here, in the virtual studio, or just unmute your microphone. We're going to move on to Chapter 4 now, on page 8. You can always draw us back if any of that thing occurs to you. Uh, I think you're still going to read. Okay, sir. Okay, sir. Did you want to say something? Okay, I thought Mr. Seka omitted our microphone. Okay, no. Okay, so are we already? The wicked gate. The wicked gate. On page eight. Messes anxieties. Yes. By this, by this time, Christiana had gotten underway on her journey along with her children, and Messi went along with them also. And Messi, Christiana said. I take this as an unexpected favor that you shall set forth like this to accompany me a little on the way. Young Mercy smiled, for she was but a young maid. If I had thought it would lead to anything of good consequence to go along with you, I will never go near that town again. Join with me, for I know well what awaits at the end of our pilgrimage. My husband is in a place where he will not be even if he had all the gold in Spanish mines. A king who has sent for me and my children, mercy. Besides, if you are willing, I will hire you, and you shall come with me as my servants. Yet we will have all things in common between you and me. Just come along with me. Lines of thoughts marked Mrs. young bro. How can I be certain that I will also be received with hospitality if I had such a hope as this, from one with authority, I wouldn't hesitate at all. I will go, being held by him who can help, even though the way is ever so wearisome. Well, my dear, loving mercy, Christiana said, 
I will tell you what you should do. Go with me to the wicked gates, and there I will further ask for you. If you do not receive encouragement to continue with me on pilgrimage, I will be content for you to return to your home. I will also pay you for your kindness, which you have shown to me and my children by coming with us and supporting us in the way you have. Mercy clasped her hands beneath a chain and said, I will go to the wicked, wicked gate, wicked gate, and will accept what comes next. May the Lord grant that my portion fall there, and that the King of Heaven shall have His affections upon me. Christiana's face beamed with gladness, not only because she had a traveling companion, but also because she had succeeded in making this poor maid fall in love with her own salvation. So they went on together. And Mercy began to weep. Christiana looked at her friend and asked, Why are you weeping like this, my sister? I can't help it. I am compelled to cry and weep when I consider what state and condition my poor relatives and friends are in. You know, they want to remain behind in our sinful town. What makes more sorrow and regret all the more heavy is that they have no instructor or anyone to tell them what is to come. Compassion becomes pilgrims, Christiana said, and you weep for your family and friends, as my good Christian did for me when he left me. He grieved and wept because I would not listen to him or pay attention. I treated him as if what he had to say was of no interest, but his Lord and others gathered up his tears and put them into his bottle. And now you and I, plus my sweet children, and reaping the fruit and benefits of them. I hope mercy. I hope mercy, but these tears of yours will not be lost, for the truth has said that they who sow in tears shall reap in joy, and he who goes forth and weeps, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Psalm 126, verses 5 and 6. Then Mercy said, May the most blessed be my guide. If it be his will, I will go unto his gates, into his fold, and unto his holy hill, and let him never allow me to turn aside or veer from his free grace and holy ways. Whatever I suffer, and let him gather those of mine whom I have left behind. Lord, please make them to be thine with all their heart and mind. mind. Okay, thanks. Okay, L let's pause a bit there. Thank you very much. So here we read of Mercy's anxieties. Uh, Mercy had made a decision not to go with Mrs. Timuros to stay with Christiana, and now they have gotten on their way. But now she's anxious and she's asking, hmm, well, what if I'm not accepted there? Because I know you were invited. I was invited. What if I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not accepted there? Uh, if you're at gospelbestory.com, just scroll all the way to page 11 to see some of the questions on the portion we are we have read. First, let, let's reflect on this. How committed was Christiana to ensuring that mercy went with her on that pilgrimage? What was she prepared to do if mercy wouldn't go? And what are the lessons to learn? And I do hope that somebody paid attention to that. How committed was Christiana to ensuring that mercy went with her? On that pilgrimage, what was she? She was prepared to do something if uh, Mercy was not ordinarily persuaded. She, there was something she was prepared to do. I think we are going to find it 
on on page eight. The answer is on page eight in the first paragraph. That was something that Akisana was prepared to do, and I think we should reflect on that. Like how commit she was so committed to uh, persuading Mercy to go with her. What was that thing uh, that she was ready to do? That she was prepared to do to persuade. Uh, to, to persuade Mercy to go with her on that pilgrimage. There's something there. Just look at uh, page 8, uh, the first paragraph there. There's something she said to her, that Christiana said to Mercy, that Mercy was, uh, Christiana was prepared to do, to offer Mercy, to ensure that Mercy would go with her on that pilgrimage. Okay, okay, nobody can find that. Okay, exactly. So on page eight. Okay, no, go ahead. I think you spotted something. Uh, yes, I just wanted to offer a few thoughts. Okay. Then I think she was willing to do was that she said she would hire her. Exactly, exactly. As her servant. As a servant. Able to travel together. Mm. Uh, but amazingly, mm. not as a servant that she would treat carelessly. Exactly. But that will be held at par with that. They will with be on equal foot, and they will share their their goods and whatever they got together. Mm. She just wanted that to come with that. The yeah. next thing she was willing to do, that well, I will do my best to assuage your worries mm. and your fears. Mm. When we get to the wicked gate, I will ask for you. Exactly. I will, the I will bear your 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 burden. I will, as it were, let your your problems be my problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if at the end of the day you cannot go in, and I will ensure that I pay you for your kindness. Exactly. And I would uh, appreciate you for supporting myself and the children. And now the children. That, that that was to let Mercy know that I will I will consider everything there is to consider, mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. there's nothing that will stop you from saying yes to take this journey. Absolutely. That Absolutely. I mean, thank you so very much. And you hit it, the, the nail spot on, on the head. She was willing to hire her, saying that, okay, I'm going to even pay you as my servant, but you'd not, you'd not just be an ordinary servant. So I, I think there's something to learn there that uh, Christiana was willing to go to, uh, to give assurances, go to lengths such as promising to pay her if she would go with her on the journey. I'm sure that Christiana must already have a sense of who the keeper of the gate is, that he's such a person who would not, uh, who would not who would not turn back anyone who appeared at the gate. And, I, I, and when I read this, it occurred to me that, you know, sometimes uh, Christian churches and Christians, they go out on evangelism efforts Sometimes just maybe a medical outreach, maybe to less privileged places to give people food and then before talking to them about Jesus Christ. There are times when we have to do things like that because just want to first draw people in to listen. Many people speak about the European missionaries and American missionaries who came to Africa that when they came first, they offered 
uh, health services, they offered education and some other forms of social welfare. Uh, I mean, some revisionists have, have criticized that, but I mean, aside from that, it's actually a valid uh, method of evangelism where you you just draw people in, knowing that once you draw them in, then you can speak to them about Jesus Christ. I think one lesson we can take away is that we should be creative in our evangelism efforts as well. Uh, not creative in the sense that uh, we are just promoting ourselves or blowing our own trumpet, but you know, you want to draw people, you want to reach people, uh, you just persuade them by all all lawful, godly means possible. And godly is something we have to, uh, to, to, have to emphasize. All uh, God-glorifying methods possible. As long as the method glorifies God and it is, it is able to bring people in to listen to you, uh, we should explore uh, those options. Then I want, I want also, yeah, go ahead. Just to add mm. that the other thing that we we need to do is to build relationships. Yeah, relationships. Uh, and, and, you know, on day to day basis, on an everyday level. Yeah. And you know, when I first became a Christian, because I was so young, mm. maybe not many people needed me. Mm. As I grew older, mm-hmm. and God gave me different platforms of influence. Mm. I then realized that merely by showing interest in people, mm. they began to sort of explore with me what made me like that. It was as simple as that. Mm-hmm. I just showed interest. interest. Just showing interest. They began to think of their own lives mm. and what they needed to do to become better people. And sometimes it was not even because I wanted to convert anyone or I wanted to preach, or because I was interested in their own very life. True. So in this case, you will see that Christiana was interested in the soul of mercy, not because she wanted the combat, but because what she had seen, she wanted somebody else to, to see. see it. Yeah. Saying, she was not trying to say, well, you must go there. By. But no, she was only saying, what will it, what, what will it cost me mm. to help you come along? You know, I recall years ago, a young man who wanted to come and work in the hospital where I was working. Mm. He didn't have any accommodation. And, you know, he, because he was the husband of a friend's cousin, okay. and that sort of thing, I said, well, why not? Come and live in my house. You know, in this age and time when it's a, a bit difficult to allow strangers yeah. in your home. Yeah. But as a believer, I understand every platform that God has given me. And as you said, with wisdom, with caution, with care, yeah, yeah. with godliness, we do this thing. Mm-hmm. And I invited the brother in. And he started living with him. He lived with us for about a year before he got his own accommodation. Okay. Now, all through the time he lived with us, I, I did not, I did not, to be honest, go to him. He was already a Christian, fine okay. Christian brother. Okay. So I did not go to him to say, bro, you must be born again. No, no, I was just there doing my thing. Yeah. You know, the day he told me that the mere fact that I was having devotion with my family mm. changed his family life. Imagine. In terms of devotion. And I was wondering, oh, okay. I did not know. I was just doing an everyday affair. Mm. Not only that, he had to move into, he had to move to the UK uh, to do the work. And he moved with his family. Then he told me, he said, uh, he will call me Oga because he was my junior colleague. Yeah. Yeah, Oga. thank God I lived in your house for a whole year. If I had come to the UK before I lived in your house, I would have destroyed ministry. Mm. I mean, that was what he said. And to me, I don't know exactly what I did. <laughs> he bringing him close to me in my own home. 
So sometimes we will have to go that far. Sometimes exactly. to be at work as a younger person who is like a mentee, like mm -hmm. a talk loop. Mm -hmm. You are going out for a talk, you say, Ashola, can you come along with me? Exactly. Let's just, while you are in the car, you are discussing things. And before exactly. long, that person will be firmly rooted in exactly. the ways of the Lord. Yes, exactly. Yes. I mean, I, thank you very much. I love that. Build relationships with people. Just build that relationship. And then because when you build relationships, then people come closer to you. And from your example, from your example, as the Holy Spirit will help you, they will draw many lessons. And those examples will minister as well. And, and that's very important. Uh, we can even also make friends with sinners. And when I say that, I, I'm saying in the, in, the, in the footsteps of our Lord, the way our Lord would not run away from sinners, but would develop some form of relationship with us so that they will move close. I mean, when Jesus was eating with those sinners, you know, they must have been looking at him. In fact, the Bible says uh, that they were looking at him intently. Intently, they were willing to learn from him. And that's because he moved close to them. So I, I love that. And it's a very valid point to develop relationships. And then we find that, uh, we find that uh, people can learn even from that. Okay, I also hope we paid attention to this part. You may, we, are, we, are speak, we are discussing Mercy's anxieties about whether she will be accepted at the narrow gate. Now, look at this question. It says, from Mercy first said, how can I be certain that I, will, I would also be received with hospitality? That's how she started. And then she ended with, well, I will go to the wicked gate and will accept what comes next. So from, how can I be certain that I will be received? How can I be certain that I would also be received with hospitality to, well, I will go to the wicked gate and will accept what comes next. Let's reflect on the lessons from Lady Mercy on how to deal with doubts, fears, and anxieties in the Christian life. Look at these two sentences. She started from, how can I be certain I will be accepted? And she ended with, well, I will go to the wicked gate I will accept what comes next. Uh, are there lessons here on how we should deal with doubts, fears, and anxieties in our Christian life? Are there lessons here? There's a woman who started by having doubts, and then it's not that her doubts were fully resolved, but look at the statement she made. Well, I will go to the wicked gate. Oh, this says wicked gate in the question. It's not the wicked gate, oh, it's the wicked. <laughs> the narrow gate. This question, so there is an obvious typographical error here for which we apologize. I will go to the wicked gate and will accept what comes next. Hmm. What does that tell? Does that not tell of a person who has chosen to abandon herself uh, to, the, to the goodness, to the kindness of of the Lord, and isn't that the message in, in that for us? We may have anxiety and fears. I, I think the best way to resolve our fears and anxiety, sometimes they never go away. Sometimes those anxieties are still there. Sometimes the the facts, the realities that inform them are still there. Sister, Sister B. Yeah, it um, just reminds me mm. um, of um, the scriptures that tells us that he will he will accept anyone that comes to him. Mm. You know, John the enemy at times makes us feel unworthy. Exactly. That um, if um, such a person, if someone else could attain salvation, mm. you may not be able to, to do because so. um, your own sins are greater or something. Mm -hmm. But God has said he will not cast away anyone that comes to him. Exactly. Salvation is for everyone. It's not for a limited few. 
no matter how crimson our sins are, mm-hmm. if we but forsake them and repent, He's willing to take us. Exactly. Exactly. That. I mean, thank you very much. And we are going to see that theme more ne- tomorrow. Uh, that theme from John 6, 37. Whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Uh, Laos, you want to make a point? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, just to add what's maybe in a slightly different dimension. Anyway. Okay. So when I, when I look at what um, Mercy was saying there, mm. she had doubts. Mm-hmm. But of course, I mean, I'm seeing it um, more like fear. Yeah. Okay. And this is not just about um, salvation now. I think it works with everything about our life. When we have fears Mm -hmm. and what do we do? Mm -hmm. We can immediately also turn it into absolute, absolute faith in God. Yes. One of our songs, one of our hymns, I like it in Yoruba. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, so when you so I mean when we have fears mm-hmm. like uh, like mercy had at that point, but almost instantly she just give everything over to God. Mm-hmm. Of course, mm-hmm. it works also with our salvation as well. Just mm-hmm. give everything over to God and say, Amazing. see, I'm at your mercy. Mm-hmm. I will go, I'll continue walking. And the Lord, I mean, this is the same faith that the Three Hebrew brothers also showed. Absolutely. Said, if he won't save us, absolutely. Well, he's still God. We are going to abandon so ourselves to God's mercy, to God's providence. Exactly. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's what. That's why I picked from that yeah. statement from. I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah. Thank you so very much. Thank you for giving us that hymn. I encourage uh, everyone of us to 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 go and look at that hymn. Give to the winds thy fears, hope and beyond dismayed. God hears thy sighs and count thy tears. God shall lift up thy gift to the winds your fears. Doc, go ahead. I mean, uh, Laulu just beat me to a hymn. Not that <laughs> Okay, hymn. Well, that And I will sing my own. I will not <laughs> tell you the fact. You'll not be deterred. Hold me, Savior, at thy feet. Mm, she, yeah, exactly. But maybe Motiri. Thy work begin. Thy work complete and take me as I am. Take me as I am. Oh, yes. Thy work begin. Thy mm. work See, complete. Just like Lalu said, at the beginning of the work, mm. we may have our doubts and fears. Mm-hmm. We may be filled with anxiety. But the completer of the work has his plan. Exactly. Life is a life of surrender. A life of surrender. Yeah. And doubt. Our answer is total surrender. Mm-hmm. And then the finisher of the work, he said, he will begin a good work in you. He's fit to complete. Amen. Mm. Amen. 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 I mean, thank you for those two those two aims. Give to the give to the winds thy face. I said, just throw them to the winds and let them go. Uh, then uh, take me as I am and just take me as I am. So Mercy started by saying, How can I be certain I will be accepted? And then she ended with, Well, I will go there. And we'll accept what comes next. And exactly how we should we should be. Uh, whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in Him. So I'm still afraid, but I'll just trust in Him. Uh, I will abandon myself to His goodness. I uh, thank you, Momioji, for joining us on WhatsApp. This is what she has written. 
She has made up her mind during our discussion with Christiana. This reminds me of Ruth and her mother-in-law. Exactly. Yeah, that mean very good. And that's one parallel we can draw from the Bible as well. Ruth and her mother-in-law. Somebody, I mean, when Ruth made that decision, she was not sure of what was going to come, whether she would be received even favorably there. But she had said to herself, I'll just abandon myself to the goodness of Jehovah and all that all of us would be of like mind and say, yeah, I have, I have doubts, I have fears, but I'm going to abandon myself to the goodness of God. And we're going to see what comes then when we get to uh, to the next chapter. Uh, very quickly, uh, did you know that statement, compassion becomes pilgrims? When mercy broke down in tears uh, and was crying, and Christina asked her, why are you crying? She said, look, I'm crying for my uh, my relatives and friends who are still in the city of destruction. Can you, I mean, let, let us know that when mercy left, she did not go back home to say goodbye to to her parents or her friends. But uh, immediately she set out on the journey. She felt compassion for them and was crying. And Christina said, yes, compassion becomes pilgrims. Meaning that this is some old English expression, but it means that uh, pilgrims are people, are compassionate people. Pilgrims are compassionate people. Compassion is something you are going to find in pilgrims. What does this mean? What assurance can compassionate Christians draw from the metaphor of tears in bottles. That's a metaphor here of tears in bottles. If you look at, what page is this? One moment, I think it's page 8. I want us to quickly look at it carefully. If anyone has seen it, it's on, it's on, it's on page 9. Okay, it's on page 9. Thank you. Exactly. Thank you very much on page nine, where Christiana was telling her that, okay, compassion becomes pilgrims, and you weep for your friends, your family and friends, as my good Christian did for me when he left me. He grieved and wept because I would not listen to him or pay attention. I treated him as if what he had to say was of, was of no interest, but his Lord and ours gathered up his tears and put them into his bottle. His Lord gathered up his tears and put them into his bottle. What do you think this metaphor means? In the, in the context of people, of Christians who are weeping for unbelievers, saying God gathered up the tears of Christians and put them in his bottle. You must also know that this is a reference to, uh, to, to, to a scriptural passage. This metaphor of God gathering tears of his people and putting them in a bottle. What do you think it means in this context? Anybody wanted to, uh, to attend that? In fact, it's in Psalm 56 that we are find, we'll find it, where the psalmist wrote, Lord, you keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. And I think that's some comfort for us when we are grieving uh, over loved ones who have not come to Christ. And daily we pray, we intercede, and we weep from the bottom of our hearts. In the place of prayer, not just weeping. Uh, mere weeping would not save anyone. But when we are weeping to God in prayer and weeping to him and praying, uh, we have this assurance that the Lord, he sees our tears. That is a hymn that says that he will not allow any of his children to shed a needless tear. So when we have to weep in the place of prayer to intercede for people, let's have the assurance that those tears are collected in God's bottle. 
Psalm 56, verse 8. He collects those tears in his bottle. He never forgets. And at his own time, in his own perfect way, he will call them to remembrance and those tears will not go for nothing. I think we see in the case of Christiana that the tears did not go for nothing. The tears that, that Christian shared for his wife and children. No, go ahead. And for me, you, you remember when we first, you know, became born again and we're growing in, in, in the faith as we continue to grow by faith. Yeah. You know, we're encouraged to pray for those who were sinners and mm-hmm. all of that. Yeah. And I, I was the first in, in, in fact, maybe an entire generation to ever become born again. <laughs> and I was a 12 year old boy. Yeah. And when they told us that the sinner will go to hell, to hell. My, heart was, my heart was broken. Understandably so. Yes, and I began to pray for my family. Mm. I was twelve. What? In fact, I was afraid of my dad. Mm. I could not even preach to him. <laughs> it was not that my my compassion drove me to preach. Preach, I didn't even know how to stand before <laughs> him. I said to him that you needed to give your life to Christ. No, I, I was just there praying and fasting mm. because they taught us very early. Yeah. I was twelve years old. Mm-hmm. I would fast till around 11.40. You remember our break time was, I think, 11.50. Yeah. I would fast till that time, then I would break. Because I was not even used to fasting. But they had told us that fasting and prayer could help people to become born again and all of that. That mm. was my own way of weeping, my own way of crying. And I kept doing that. I tell you, I kid you not. I tell you, I kid you not. Today, those who are not born again mm-hmm. in the family, my immediate family are only two. Mm. My dad and my immediate elder brother. Mm. And we are still trusting God because God has already given clear promise. Amen. My eldest brother gave his life to Christ in Sokoto. Mm. He didn't give his life to Christ in, uh, in any other place. But in Sokoto. Mm. That was where he gave his life to Christ. Today he's an ordained pastor. So the next generation after him, they have been raised in the light of God's grace. Hallelujah. My Hallelujah. younger sister, one day even started weeping. Very, very young, she was weeping. And I said, why? She said she was weeping because I said that our father would go to her. I said, no. I did not say our father would go to her. I said, the Bible says that those who are not born again will go to her. And I, it's not as if I want him to go to her, but there's nothing I can do about it if he's not yet born again. Mm. But that my sister today is born again. Hallelujah. She's married to a Christian brother. They are raising their children Good. in the light of God's grace. I can confirm mm. that the tears that I shed in my spirit, maybe not with my eyes, mm-hmm. were put in a bottle. Mm. And today, I can come in bearing the sheep. Exactly. And my cousins, many people, have given their lives to Christ. Some of them, I wasn't even the one that preached to them. But I was praying because they thought of that once you give your life to Christ, you must you must petition the throne of grace. Compassion becomes so- pilgrims. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, thank you so very much for those for those testimonies. And I pray that those testimonies will endure. And for anyone among us who is still praying for a loved one, a friend, or a family member. Oh, oh, be encouraged there, brethren, that those tears uh, are not going to be in vain. He keeps those tears in his bottle and is going to recall them and they will not go for north in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Compassion becomes pilgrims. If a pilgrim is not compassionate for the souls of those who are not in Christ, that pilgrim should examine himself, examine herself. If you do, if you do not have at least one person on your prayer list that you are bothered about, that you are always telling God about, you should think again and, and re-examine yourself. Okay, let's take another portion of this chapter, the Swamp of Despond. Are you ready? Let's take it on page 9. Okay, sir. The Swamp of Despond. Now, my old friend continued with the tale of Christiana's pilgrimage and said that when she came to the Swamp of Despond, she slowed and came to a stop. For she said, this is the place in which my dear husband was almost smothered with mud. Mm -hmm. Nevertheless, she also recognized the command of the king to make this place good for pilgrims. And yet it was worse than before. So I asked if that was true. Yes, said the old gentleman. Too true. For many pretend to be king's workers and say that they are for restoring the king's highways, but they bring dirt and dung instead of stones, and as a result, cause more damage than rather than repair. Therefore, it was here at the swamp of Despond where Christiana and her boys came to a stop. But Mercy said, Come now, let's let's be going forward, but let's let us be cautious. Then they looked carefully where they stepped and shifted their path and reeled from one side to the other without. The experience left Christiana feeling like she had been murdered in his law more than once or twice, but eventually they did cross over. They had no sooner reached the other side when they thought they heard someone say, Blessed is she who believes, for there shall be a completion of those things which were told her from the Lord. Luke one forty-five. Hearing this word, they continued on their way, and Mercy said to Christiana, if I had as good a cause to hope for loving reception at the wicked gate as you, I don't think any swamp of this pond will be able to discourage me. Well, said Christiana, you know your affliction and I know mine. She placed her hand on Mercy's shoulder. We shall all have enough misfortune before we reach our journey's end, my good friend. For can you imagine people like us who plan to reach such excellent glories as we do, and who are subject to envy because of the happiness we have, without enemies who hate us. They will assault us with fears and snares and with troubles and afflictions. Okay. Knocking on the wicked gates. Okay, okay. Let's pause a bit just to discuss uh, the, the swamp of this pond. Uh, for those who are not with us, uh, when we're reading Pilgrim's Progress Part 1, uh, this swamp was uh, a muddy place that Christian and the two persons uh, who wanted to persuade him to turn back fell into uh, initially two persons wanted to persuade him to turn back obstinate and pliable obstinate was quick to to leave uh, christian when christian would not be persuaded but then pliable went with christian as they were going they were they were talking about the glories ahead and they fell into that swamp uh it was a muddy swamp and they couldn't rescue themselves you know like a merry clay they were sinking and they were sinking so badly that uh, when uh, they were about to sink pliable then tried to move uh, back to the city of destruction he got himself back and did not look back and then he went back to the city of destruction but Christian got help. Somebody appeared to him. Help appeared to him and pulled him out. 
Now, we are reading here that uh, Christiana and Mercy and the four boys also got to the swamp of Deswan. Do you know what? That swamp was still as bad as ever, as ever. You know, if you recall then, men were discussing the question of why that swamp should be there. And somebody said, look, the king has always been sending his servant to go and repair the swamp, but it's, it's still there. But now we have a reason for why the swamp is still there. Let's look at our question uh, question four on page 11. What does the swamp of Despond represent in the journey of someone seeking salvation? And what are the differences between what happened here and what happened in Pilgrim's Progress Part 1? What are the differences here in what happened there and in Pilgrim's Progress Part 1? Laos, do you want to make a point? Yes. Uh, as you read that part, something came to my mind. Okay, go ahead. And, well, I'm, I'm going to ask a question that you, are, you already read out. Okay. But my question is, the swamp of this point yes. today in our life in our Christian journey, mm. because this passage says this is what the king himself has prepared to be like a place of soccer for people who are on pilgrimage. Mm. And to me, the only place I see in our daily life today is the church. And the church itself, can we say truly mm. that the church is doing the work that the king wants it to do? Or are we basically just, um, because it seems to be, to get more dear, I'm sorry to say, mm. I mean, um, many churches, we, I mean, we, we are gathered yesterday, we belong to different fellowships. Yes. I speak to you, my brother, every time, and the challenges I see in the church, and so many things. Mm -hmm. Can we compare this place to actually the church? Mm. It's the question I have. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I mean, that's an interesting point, especially if you look at it from the angle that says that uh, the king, that is the Lord God Almighty himself, has always been setting his servants to repair, to repair the road, to repair that swamp. Uh, it's a terrible place. It's a muddy place uh, that uh, tends to to stain people who are trying to find salvation that tends to discourage them, that tends to to, to destroy them really because uh, if the if a pilgrim falls into that swamp, that pilgrim would not be able to rescue himself or herself without help, without help. So ordinarily, anybody who falls into it would, would be consumed, uh, would sink into that swamp. That's the kind of swamp we sink into it. And the question is, why does it exist? Why does it exist? Uh, why has the king not repaired it? And we read there, it says the king has been sending his servant, so he's been sending workers to go and repair it. But the interesting thing is this. Let's look at question five, and we can take it all together. It says, for many pretend to be the king's workers and say that they are for restoring the king's highways, but they bring dirt and dung instead of stones. And that is the area where I can see the point you're making, Laosh, about where... Where you, where you expect to find repairers of the bridge, where you expect to find uh, people who make it easier for new converts to come in, what do you find? You find people who are bringing dirt and dung instead of stones. The king had said, my workers, go out there and make the road straight. You know, like what, did, what John the Baptist proclaimed, saying that, I'm the, I'm the, voice, in the, I'm the voice in the wilderness, uh, make straight the part of the Lord. And John Baptist did his part, making straight the part of the Lord. But what are, made, what are we doing nowadays? You find people who, instead of making straight the way of the Lord, 
they are making it crooked. They are making it crooked so that uh, people who are coming behind, instead of them to have uh, an easier time passing through uh, the, the the road to the narrow gate, they are finding it even more difficult because the king's servant uh, are saboteurs. As saboteurs. When I was reflecting on this, I just found that the right word to use is to refer to them as saboteurs uh, in question in question five. And we're asking now, can we identify those who fit the description of these saboteurs in Christian communities? Can we identify them uh, even among ourselves in the in the church, as you mentioned, in the Christian community? Those that, although they've been sent to repair the swamp of their spawn, to make sure that new converts don't fall, don't make errors, that new converts are not dissuaded, they're not discouraged uh, from seeking the narrow gate. Who are these people, or what are these actions that amount to uh, not carrying out the king's command, that amount to amount to bringing dirt and dung instead of stones? What are these things? I mean, I, I would say that strife, uh, strife in the Christ, in the body of of Christ, when we are fighting and people outside. You know, I mean, look at it. We are looking at pilgrims who are trying to find the narrow way. And think of a person who has been persuaded to see Christ. And the person gets to the church or gets to a Christian community and finds what strife and finds what uh, people who do not love one another, hatred. And he says to himself, oh, become discouraged, really, become discouraged. Some may even sink the, uh, the newborn delicate faith at that point might even sink because uh, for uh, for want of nurturing, right, and for the bad example, uh, for the bad experiences, and all the many horrible experiences that uh, people with uh, just germinating faith have had when they encounter Christians. That's the angle from which I can see uh, the point you make, Laos, which, which is a valid point from that point, because uh, clearly we read here that the king had been sending workers to repair the bridge, repair the road, make it straight for those who are coming to me so that they can easily find the narrow way. But alas, but alas, the workers, instead of taking stones there to repair the, uh, the, the, the swamp, they'll be bringing dirt and dung. And I suppose that all of us must reflect on this and be careful. And each person should ask himself, ask herself, well, uh, this is the king's command, but are we kind of the king's command or are we saboteurs in this matter? Uh, Doug, go ahead. Uh, well, <clears throat> I thank God for uh, Laulu bringing that point. Mm. So the way I see it is that the swamp of Despond mm. is a, a place where many factors congregate upon. Yeah. So the swamp, the swamp is not the church in my humble opinion. Yeah. But okay. the church can contribute to the madness of it. Of it, yeah. Okay. So this is a place of many factors. And the intention of the swamp is to make the saint despondent. Yeah. So sometimes it will be scoffers who will contribute their own mud. Sometimes it will be life's challenges that are basic human challenges, disease, disaster, that mm-hmm. will contribute their own mud. But now, we have introduced the uh, dimension of those who are actually meant to clear out the mud and to put in structures that are solid. Mm. And we see three critical things here that we need to examine carefully so that we will quickly see the way out. 
He says that these people, they are actually king's workers. Mm. And they are to restore the king's highways. Now, the meaning of that is that we are looking at people who ought themselves to be the way, as Christ is the way, mm -hmm. but have now become worlds, like the Pharisees and the scribes of old, mm. who will not enter in and will I not allow, allow those other people to go in. To go in. And so, for us as believers, any Pharisee tendency in mm. us, mm -hmm. we must begin tonight to reflect upon them and say, oh God, this is my heart cry. Yeah. Is there something that I am doing that will turn me into that whitehead sepulchre? Exactly. I am not, you know, a, a safe place. Inside me is full of dead men's bones, mm. but outside I am whitewashed. Whitewashed, exactly. And it looks like solid ground, but anybody who steps on me sinks. Oh God, you have to walk up on my life at mm. home, at school, at work. You, as the part of God's church, yeah. wherever you are no longer solid ground. And so when you see that it says the king's highway, the Bible tells us that it is a highway of holiness. Is there anything in me that is not permitting corruption? The way I speak, the way I think, the way I conduct my affairs, that will now help people who ordinarily should become holier, exactly. to become more unholy. More unholy. You know? Yeah, I'm one of those who will be cracking jokes that will poison the hearts of people. And we say, it doesn't matter, we are only having a good time. No, no, no. I will lead them to despondency where they will question the need to travel further. Mm. And they will say, well, if I sink, I sink. After all, there are many of us who are leaders who are sinking with me. Now, the next point that I wanted to now bring out to end is dung and death. Now, the word death there brings us to Matthew chapter 7, where the Lord was drawing the, the, the distinction between ordinary sand and the rocky place. Yeah. So on one hand, it talks about stones, which is the stone of offense. Jesus himself, that is the stone. And then on the other side, it talks about mere earth, mere dung, mere sand. Yeah. And God is saying that if you take sand to that, that swamp to go and repair it, you will worsen its state. But if you take stones there to go and repair it, then you will get it right yeah. at the highway of holiness. God is pointing us to the errors that we are making as his people, individually and collectively. We cannot build people's faith upon the sand of disobedience and careless living. As a matter of fact, Paul, in Philippians chapter 3, was trying to describe what he considered as done. He said, anything that was gained to me yeah. before I met Christ, I considered as loss. So if, for example, we decide to focus on a gospel of material prosperity, can you see that we are sponsoring them? Mm -hmm. Because material prosperity is not what the faith of the people can stand upon. Exactly. They cannot stand. Now, if, for example, we begin to teach a gospel of uh, philosophy and psychology, mm. feel good, feel good, feel good theology, yeah. uh, motivational speaking, it will be mere dumb. Paul yeah. says those things used to be gained, you know, but they are no longer gained to me because there is now an excellence mm -hmm. of knowing Christ. Mm -hmm. And what is the excellency of knowing Christ? Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16. That's where I, where I went. He says, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. 
So God is saying here that the people he's sending there to go with the stone, that living stone. If they go with anything else, they will send the swamp of this. Hmm. I God will help. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you so very much. Uh, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, Brasher, you really wanted to make a contribution. Uh, yes, sir. Um, you know, our dear brother was saying the swamp of this pond mm. is the church. And um, just as the as doctor rightly said, well, we can say that is the church, mm. but we would also say that the church has a hand in this swamp mm. when it comes to the journey of those seeking salvation exactly because one would have felt that the church should be a place where when a sinner comes to attend the church by chance mm. he or she should not live the same way exactly but the church somehow had become a place that permits permit me to use this word in quotes, has become a place that permits a sour. <laughs> you know, in, in cooking, when you cook rice and there is a part that is done and the undone part, mm. in Yoruba we say that rice has a sour. We have a lot of a sour in the church, meaning that ideally the church should be the the congregation of the saints yeah so when sinners by chance or when the people who are not saints comes by whatever means ideally the church should go out to make sinners become saints and bring them to the congregation of saints mm -hmm. ideally mm -hmm. so in my own denomination you will find the baptismal font at the western door at the back mm. of the of of, of, the, of the church the church meaning that when you are bringing them from the world you initiate them at the entrance to bring them into the church but unfortunately everything seems to go and nobody cares if the next neighbor is saved or not so far, offerings are intact hmm. and increased. Go ahead, bro. Every day. Yeah. Hello, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. A call interrupted. So. The, the fifth point is that for many pretended to be the king's worker mm. and say that they are restoring the king's highway that is where we begin to look at the church and that is in light with matthew chapter 7 where jesus was saying from verse 21 that you know not everybody that say lord lord we enter into the kingdom and they will in verse 22 they said they will say we did this we did this in your name only for jesus to make the assertion in verse 23 that the path i know you not you are workers of iniquity so anyone doing in quote whatever work you are working 
if it is not God's work, and what is the, like I said somewhere yesterday, I said the only vision that Christians should have or church leaders should have should be the advancement of the kingdom of God as encapsulated in Matthew 6, verse 33. Seek ye first the kingdom. Every other thing will be added. But unfortunately, it looks as though the king's worker are beginning to lay more emphasis on other things, neglecting the primaries. Exactly. Neglecting the primary. So, and this is the, the concern of, of, of the church. We are not pointing accusing finger to anybody. It boils down to you, every one of us. Either you are a caller person or you are not a caller person. We all have the call of God to advance his kingdom. Mm -hmm. So the underlining question we should be living with is that in my own sphere, am I advancing the kingdom? Am I doing the king's work mm -hmm. or am I only pretending to be doing it? Exactly. Am I repairing this highway in my own way? Or, in, I mean, in my own little sphere, or I'm, I'm less concerned such that people around me, they can't have their, the, the roots of their relationship better established by coming near me. It's a concern. It is a matter that we all should take to heart from this, I mean, this discussion. Are we repairing the highway? Exactly. Or we are less concerned. The Lord is helping us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so very much. I love what uh, Sister Yemi Okunlade uh, has written there. Thank you, sis, for joining us uh, today. And uh, this is what she has written in the chat room. She said, Sincerely, I just asked myself shortly before the question was raised if, as the king's servant, have not been involved in sabotage, may the Lord purge all of us and help us to go back to our duty post to do the king's bidding. And to that we say a loud, loud, loud amen. Amen. I think the point is made. The Holy Spirit has spoken to all of us today. And I pray that we all will pay attention and hear his word. Let us sing together. Let's sing. He who would valiant be against all disaster. Let him in constancy follow the master. After this singing, Lao should say the closing prayer. Let us sing together. He who would valiant be against all disaster. Let him in constancy follow let him follow the master
And yes, may God give us grace to labor night and day, night and day, to be pilgrims. Amen. Amen. Lord, please say the closing prayer. I look forward to seeing you all tomorrow. We are going to conclude this chapter by the grace of God tomorrow. And then we go to, uh, to chapter 5 by the grace of God. Looking forward to seeing you all. All right, let us pray. Lord, we are, we are grateful for tonight. We Thank are grateful you, for the grace to learn again at your feet. We are grateful for the benefits of fellowship. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for showing yourself to us more and more. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we sincerely ask, as we have learned tonight, uh, Lord, you will help us to keep focus on the goal in the name of Jesus. Amen. We pray unto you, like the words of our aim says, that I'll be a soldier, I'll die at my post. Mm -hmm. Let us be able, as soldiers of yours, to stay firm, stay glued to our post and be faithful to our calling in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us be builders and not destroyers mm -hmm. of your work in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord, because we believe strongly that by your grace you will gather us again tomorrow to learn more at your feet. Amen. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Thank you all. Wishing you a wonderful, wonderful night. Looking forward to seeing you all tomorrow. Everybody at gospelbestly.com, always glad to see the number there. God bless you. God bless you. Very good.
mercy, more of His love who died for me. You are listening to GospelBellsRadio.com, the Christian internet radio with a mission to engage the culture with the mind of Christ. Keep listening and invite others, too. God bless you. Engaging the culture with the mind of Christ. 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 Christ.